Normally, I would say if you have your Bibles open, but listen, I got so many verses uh, that I'll kind of just reference today that I don't know where to tell you to start at, but I do want to begin by saying today we're going to start off uh, the summer series called You Asked For It. Now, if you remember, we've been asking for questions to be submitted uh, for the past few months. If there's a question about the Bible that you would like answered, and we had several of them submitted, and so we're going to start that today. Um, and I just let you know in advance, some of the questions are um, relational in nature. They deal with relationships. Some are doctrinal in nature, such as the one today. Um, some of them are a little controversial. Uh, and so I just know that uh, we'll have a good range of questions that we'll answer and address from God's Word um, over the next few weeks. So I'm glad that you're here for that. And uh, to get it started, I want to I share with you one question that was presented. Uh, go ahead and go to the next slide there. Here it is. Are God and Jesus the same person? Um, this is a question asked, are God and Jesus the same person? And this is a difficult question to answer because it's kind of a mixed um, question. So what I would do, if I knew who asked that question, I would be sitting down across from you and I would say, um, let me redefine that question, please, where I get an understanding of what it is that you're asking. And I would say, are you saying, or are you asking, um, is God the Father and God the Son the same person? Or are you asking, is God the Father and God the Son the same God? Two different questions. So let's address the first one first. Is God the Father and God the Son the same person? This is an easy answer because Scripture is filled with examples um, for for us on this particular passage of Scripture or this this understanding um, of the doctrine. We're going to look at the Trinity today. Uh, So is God the Father and Jesus the Son the same person? The answer to that question is, help me out, church. See, it, it, this is that, it's kind of confusing, but here, here's the answer. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all distinct one from another. So the answer to that question is no. God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is not God the Father. God the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. So the answer is no, and let me just give you um, a few reasons why that answer is no. Um, if you... If you have your Bibles and you want to open them, here's where you're going to go. Ready? John chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and skip over to chapter 20, because every one of those chapters have a reference where Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about the fact that God sent him. He says, my will is to do the, the will, or my, my desire is to do the will of the one who sent me. When he had that meeting with a Samaritan woman, they came back, and he was talking about being uh, filled, and they said, who, who brought him food? And he says, I have this nourishment, uh, that my nourishment comes from doing the will of the one who sent me. Over and over and over again, multiple times, Jesus is referencing God the Father who sent him for a particular mission. So um, in this case, you see a distinction between God the Father and God the Son, not the same, not the same. Um, Paul references in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, it says, but when the right time had come, God sent his Son. Again, God sends his Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we or he could adopt us as his very own children. Good news, right? We see so far that God the Father, God the Son are distinct from one another. You have God the Father sending God the Son. Um, There's the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember Jesus before he would go be betrayed, arrested, crucified. In the garden, Jesus prays, and who's he praying to? It says he prayed and he said, Father, 
if it's your will, take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Right? You remember the prayer? So Jesus is speaking to the Father in heaven, God the Father, God the Son. There's a distinction there. Um, another reason that we believe this is a no is because we can't get to the Father except through Christ. If you look at John chapter 14, a very familiar passage, it says, um, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and when I go, um, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. Thomas says, hey, we don't know the way uh, that you're going, and Jesus finishes by this very familiar passage. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So two things in that passage. The very first one, you believe in God, the Father, believe also in me. And then secondly, he said, no man can come to the Father except through me. So do you see over and over this distinction between the two, God the Father and God the Son so far? Are you with me? All right, so, so there's a distinction there. And then finally, my favorite one is the baptism of Jesus. Um, when I was a kid, and, and this doctrine of the Trinity is so hard to wrap your mind around, it's hard to explain. Theologians for years have tried to come up with an adequate illustration to, to talk about the triune nature of God. But when I was a kid, I remember I was raised in a Pentecostal background, and there was one group in the Pentecostals called the United Pentecostals, and they believed in a oneness Pentecostalism. And, and so by that, they meant there was just one just one, and not three persons, but one God. And the problem I already had with that was in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus is being baptized at the beginning of his public ministry. You remember the scene? So Jesus goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. John says, hey, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, let it be for now. So Jesus gets into the Jordan River, and he's baptized, and immediately the heavens opened up, and the Bible says a dove descended down on Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then from heaven a voice, God spoke, God the Father said, this is my beloved Son, God the Father, speaking of the Son who is in the water, of who I am well pleased, the Holy Spirit on him like the dove. So in that scene, you see three distinct persons um, in the Godhead of the Trinity. So the answer to the question, um, is God the Father and Jesus the Son, or God the Son, the same person? The answer is no. To agree that it is, it would be um, Sabellianism. This is a new one for me. I don't remember this one. It's closely related to modelism. There's a lot of isms, by the way. Uh, but this was a third century theologian and a priest, and he believed that the Father and the Son were of one essential, they were one essential person. He was excommunicated from the church for heresy um, at the Council of Alexandria. So the answer to the first question, if that is the question, is God the Father and God the Son the same person? The answer is, church, help me out. Okay. So let's rephrase the question. Go to the second one, please. Is God the Father and God the Son the same God? Or to go back to the original question, is God or our God and Jesus the same person? Change that word person to God. If you, if you do that, God the Father, God the Son, are they the same God? The answer is what? Okay, so basic Trinitarian doctrine is there's one God and three persons. God the Father is not God the Son, and God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. They're distinct one from another, but all three of them are God. <laughs> Make sense yet? Okay, so the answer to that question is obviously yes. This doctrine is called the Trinity Doctrine, the triunity of God or the triune nature of God. Um, and the word Trinity means tri, three, and unity meaning one, or three are agreeing in one, or three are one. 
three distinct, listen to this, co-equal, co-eternal persons of one substance. So um, there, there's a graphic. Let's go ahead and put that one up, the little triangle thing. This has been forever a graphic that has been used to describe, to try to give us an illustration of what the Trinity doctrine is. And you see in the center it says God. And then we just talked about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Um, and if you notice around the outside of that, it says is not. And so that understanding, they're distinct one from another. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. But it says the Father is God. The Son is God. And the Spirit is God. Most Christianity, the majority of Protestant Christianity believes in the Trinity doctrine. Blessed Trinity, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. We sang the song a while ago. So this Trinity of, of God and people, like I said, have tried, think about it, for centuries to try to explain this. Um, and there's, I'll, I'll mention a couple that we've probably heard growing up, but um, how many of you heard the illustration of the egg? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Two or three. All right, so there, there's an egg, and an egg has three parts. There's the shell, and then there's the white of the egg, and then there's the yolk inside the egg. And so the three are actually one egg. Where the illustration breaks down is if you start to separate the shell from the white from the yolk, then you have three parts of an egg, but it ceases being an egg. You can't hold the shells up and go, I've got an egg. No, you've got a piece of an egg. And you can't say that of God. If you break one of the three persons of the Trinity outside of the Trinity of the Godhead, Jesus is fully God. He was fully man. Holy Spirit is fully God. God the Father is fully God. And so that that illustration breaks down. And there's the other illustration about the, you know, the water, the solid, and the liquid. I mean, I guess it's the liquid, solid, and vapor. Um, people have said, that, you know, all three of them are water. Uh, but it's just in three different ways. We see water. That one breaks down because if you take water and you freeze it, the water changes into a solid. And if you heat it up really hot, then that water that is now ice will heat and it will change into a gas. And how many of you know God does not change? Okay, thank you for helping me out. I mean, I know it's early, and I know you've probably not had your coffee. Um, I've had plenty. I've been up way early, so I'm ready for a nap, okay? Uh, But so just these things are, they're illustrations that we've tried to use, um, but they just don't completely, and here's the cool, rather than getting frustrated and go, God, and, and, and your amazing love for us, why didn't you give us a cool illustration to describe this, this doctrine so we can wrap our minds around it? And here's what I love about it. We serve an indescribable God. Our God is so big. He is so huge. It is hard to put him into a, a bubble or hard to put him within a framework of I mean, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so huge, you can't describe the indescribable God. The Trinity doctrine, the word Trinity is not found in Scripture, but throughout Scripture, uh, there are many different, it's like a progressive revelation of this Trinity doctrine. So let's just consider this for a moment. Um, when God called Abram, before his name was Abraham, it was Abram, and he called him from the, the land of, the, of, of Ur, of the Chaldeans, and he said, Abram, I want you to go from your home country to a land that I'm going to show you, which is where? Canaan. So here's what was very prevalent in his day. Um, Ur of the Chaldeans had a, a problem with polytheism, many gods. There was gods everywhere. Abraham was around that, and God called him from that there and told him he was going to go to Canaan, and Canaan is going to be filled also with polytheism. There's many gods there. And what's cool about Abram is he took this bold stand, and he says, you know what I'm going to believe? I believe there's only one God, and I'm going to follow that one God. And he stood alone. And kind of in his 
heritage, there are three religions that still have what we call a monarchy or a monotheism, meaning one, one God, and that is the Jewish people, Judaism. Islam believes there's one God, they just get the wrong one, and then Christianity. Christianity just has the completed revelation of God's word that gives us a full picture of the triune nature of God, and we get to see more of, of God's revelation of himself as, as followers of Christ Jesus. Isn't that cool? So throughout Scripture, um, monotheism, one God, um, is preached. Deuteronomy 6, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Remember, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we know that the Shema or the Shema, however you say that, um, is something that they all knew and they learned that. And the idea was, hey, there's only one true God. If you look in Isaiah, there, there's plenty of references, but I was just looking this morning through Isaiah 43. There is no other God. There never has been and never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. That's in 43, 45, Isaiah. I am the Lord, there is no other God. I am the Lord, and there is no other. God is with you, and he's the only God. There is no other. For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and the earth and put everything in place. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. There's no other God but me. There's none but me, for I'm the God, and I'm God, and there is no other. Over and over and over throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, we have this monotheistic idea that there is one God, and that is true. There is one God. Say one God. So we're not saying there's three gods. That would be tritheism, and that would be heresy. So it's just like a slippery slope. We've got to be careful how we, we mince our words because we can slip off into heresy. We say there's three persons or one God plays the role of three persons. That's modelism. That's dangerous. Um, or we slip over the other side of it and we say there's three gods and that would be tritheism and there's only one God. We serve the one true God. But this God, check this out, loves us so much. And it just blows my mind when you think about it. He loves us so much that he is going out of his way throughout the revelation of scripture to reveal himself to us. So in the Old Testament, we see this, this God who is the one true God. And you may not have much of an understanding of him, but in the New Testament, we see the incarnation of Christ. The Bible says, what, God became flesh and dwelt among us. So we have the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah, deity, the whole gospel of John. That's the case that John's making is that, hey, there's something special about Jesus. He's more than a man. He is deity. He's doing only what God can do. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He's being worshiped as God, and he's not telling people to stop it. And so there's all these things going off. Bing, 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 bing. Jesus is deity, God in the flesh. And later, as Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, hey, wait till the promised gift that I promised to you comes. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. There's more revelation of this other triune nature of God. And we see now a, a beautiful picture um, of the Trinity of God. He just goes out of his way to show us and reveal himself to us in the Trinity doctrine. Now, I was thinking about this, and as I, was, I met with uh, Jim Saturday for some breakfast, and we were talking and one of the things I said, I challenged, I'm challenged with this because I always try to find a place with a message that kind of comes back to us personally. What does this mean to me? How do I apply this in my life? And I was wrestling with this because it's doctrinal in nature. And as I was praying through it and studying it, I came to the realization that many of us have taken what is the Trinity doctrine, we've put it on the very back shelf 
of something that's really not that important to us. We just said, you know what, this is not really that important. We put it back there. The early church hammered it into the, 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 the early Christians. They wanted to make sure that they knew who this God is that we worship and we serve. And so the Council of Nicaea, 325 AD, 381, Constantinople, and later in about 400 AD, there's these three creeds uh, that come out to refute some heresies that had crept up. Um, Arius uh, had crept up and said that Jesus was created that there was a point in time when Jesus wasn't in existence and then God just created him. Um, and they're like, dude, that's heresy. And the, the Council of Nicaea condemned that. Um, Constantinople, as I said, and another one later that hammers this doctrine of the Trinity to make sure that the early church knew God. And that's our goal, is to know him. Amen? Th- think about it for a moment. We say God is omnipotent. What does that mean? All-powerful. We say he's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows all things. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. Those are attributes of God that we, we learn, and we're trying to figure out who is this God that we worship. They give us a picture of who he is. We can say he's all-loving. We can say there's no sin in him. He's absolutely sinless. I mean, this God is an amazing God, but if we don't understand who he is in the Trinity Doctrine, if we don't get that, do we really know the God that we worship? And so it's important for us to understand this. So, Reconciling monotheism, one God, and three persons, um, I referenced Jesus. Jesus, we, we did a, a series a while back in the Gospel of John, the seven miracles of Jesus, and the purpose for those miracles was to validate, um, John wanted us to know, of the deity of Christ. As I said, he was worshipped as God. He did things that only God could do, you know, like raise someone from the dead, open the eyes of the blind, cause the lame to walk. He he claimed to be God. He says, before Abraham was, I am. That was an Old Testament phrase for deity, for God, and it almost got him stoned to death. He later said, I am the Father. I and the Father are one. And so he claims deity. He's recognized when Thomas, after the resurrection, he says, I won't believe unless I put my hands in his side and in his, 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 his hands. You remember that? And Jesus shows up and said, Thomas, put your hands here. Put your hands here. Now stop doubting and believe and Thomas, what does he say? My Lord and my, my God. Jesus, throughout Scripture, as revealed progressively, as I said, through the rest of, of the, the Scriptures, uh, we learn of him that he is a part of that Godhead um, we call the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, both God, fully God, um, and eternal. I'll say this. Here's a cool thing. Um, Genesis chapter 1 um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, the earth was formless and empty. The darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. You see little hints, little indications, shadows of, of something going on um, in the Old Testament while it doesn't come straight out and say, oh yeah, God is three persons. But you see it happening and unfolding in Scripture. Genesis 1, on the sixth day of creation, God said, and this is cool, um, Then God said, let us, say us, make man into our image to be like us. Here's a question for you. Who is us? Who is he talking to? And how many are there? So we don't have a number. We don't know the who, but we know it's not the angels because they wouldn't be like God that's speaking. He said, let us make man in our image. So he's talking with someone. We believe that is the Trinity that is from all eternity past. Jesus didn't have a beginning date. He is eternal in existence with the Father. Colossians chapter 1, another passage of Scripture um, that I love talking about 
Christ, listen to what it says. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. Listen, he existed before anything was created. He is supreme over all creation. Now, some of the, the Bible translations say he's the firstborn, and so some of the heresies will say, well, firstborn mean he was born. He was just born first. That just means he's supreme, first in order. He's the firstborn of all creation, or he's supreme over all creation. For through him, through who? We're talking about Jesus here in this passage. Through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So in the Old Testament, we know God created it all, and in this revelation in the New Testament, we realize it was God the Son who had the, the job of creating everything. Pretty cool, huh? And so God the Father, God the Son, one God, and then we have the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. Um, just a few things about the Holy Spirit. So you remember the story Ananias and Sapphira? People were selling their property, and they were bringing it and putting it at the apostles' feet, and they were saying, hey, just give this to people who are in need. Uh, and so Ananias and Sapphira sold some land, and they kept a portion of it for themselves, which was not wrong, but then they went and presented it and said, here's the money that we got for the land. So they were lying about it. And you remember the story, Paul goes, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Stop right there. So in that, you're like, okay, the Holy Spirit, it, it, we, we learn from that that he is all-knowing, that he is all-seeing, and that he's everywhere present because he acknowledged, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit about this land deal, basically? And then, of course, they drop dead, pushing up daisies. The next verse, he says, um, it wasn't us that you were lying to, but it was God, God, the Holy Spirit that you were lying to. Um, he was present in action uh, in, in creation. I said Genesis 1, 2, uh, that he was there hovering over the darkness. Um, 2 Peter one twenty one. Peter says that it was through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the scriptures were written. They didn't write on their own accord, but they were moved by the Spirit of God, and they wrote as he directed them. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, um, in order for us to be born again, to become a Christian, um, Excuse me, that's John 3, 5. One must be born of the Spirit. So the Spirit has worked there um, in our salvation. The bodies of those that are in Christ are described as temples of God because the Holy Spirit is in us. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God that is in you? So we see this revelation throughout Scripture, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons yet fully one, only one God. Like saying, I still don't understand it. Hey, join millions of people for centuries to try to wrap their mind around the Trinity doctrine. But because I can't completely understand it and wrap my mind around it, just like I can't completely wrap my mind around someone willing to come to the earth and take the sins of the whole world on their back and die on the cross for me, doesn't mean that it's not scripturally accurate and I can build my life on it, right? So if I'm using logic, I'm like, Shane, that's not logical. What you're saying is one plus one plus one equals one. That doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Well, it's not a logical question. It's an analogical. So we're using this idea of three persons, one God. And so the equation would look like this. P, as in person, plus P, plus P equals G. Got it? God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So, so to answer that question again, as it was said, is God the Father and God the Son the same God? The answer to that question is, 
Yes. Is God the Father, God the Son, the same person? No. Um, is God the Father, God the Son, the same God? Yes. Now, here's why I think this is so important for us, and, and I hope that you didn't just dismiss it and go, hey, that wasn't my question, so I'll wait till I hear mine in the next few weeks. Um, uh, so I'll just, I'm just going to you know, play on Angry Birds or something while Shane's preaching. Just turn the audio down, please. Um, but here's why this is important. Uh, by way of application, two, two questions. Why is it important? Why do I need to know this? It's important because um, our salvation depends on the triune nature of God. Our actual salvation depends on the Trinity doctrine. Think about this for a moment. Um, salvation is administered by the Father. It's accomplished by the Son who came down and died on the cross. God the Son, Jesus, and it's applied by the Spirit. No man can come to the Father except he's drawn by the Spirit. So the Spirit applies the work. So all three of them are at work in our salvation. So it's very important, amen? So our salvation depends on the triune nature of God. Why do we need to know this? I think very simply to know him more. There are some of you that know me, and maybe you know me just surface. And there's some of you that know me really well. None of you know me as well as my wife knows me or as well as God knows me. And so when you're getting to know someone, you want to just learn everything you can about them because it helps you to build a tighter relationship with them, a deeper, more intimate relationship. And as we understand doctrine, as we understand who God is, as crazy as it is and as huge as it is trying to describe the indescribable and going, God, this is so crazy that you would love us enough to just reveal yourself to us in the Old Testament and then step it up a notch in the person of Christ and see humility and servanthood and someone that's willing to die on the cross for the people when all these other polytheistic gods, it's like you did something for them, but this one came down and did something for us. That's powerful. And that you would love us enough that you'd reveal to us and give us this precious gift of the Holy Spirit in 14, when they were, in John 14, when they were worried Jesus is about to leave them. He said, hey, listen, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I'm gonna give to you an advocate. And when he comes, he's gonna live in you. And so how awesome is this God that reveals himself to us throughout the entirety of scripture? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I believe it gets us, helps us to know him more. Another reason that I think we need to know this, and this is a big one, it protects us from error. It protects us from heresy. It protects us from slipping into the ditch of isms. Okay, there's a lot of them. Uh, let me just give you a few of them. I won't spend much time, but I, uh, tritheism, three gods. I mentioned that a while ago. Arianism, uh, which is Jesus is not deity. He was created at some point. He's not co-equal with God. Polytheism, uh, many gods. Modelistic monarchianism or modelism is one, one God that plays three parts. So think of it like this. One actor on the stage, and that actor's going to play three different roles. And so the actor comes out, and he's got on his, his, his costume, and he's God the Father. And then he goes behind stage, changes costume, comes back out. The same actor is now God the Son. And then again, he goes behind the stage, comes out in more clothing, and says, now the same actor is God the Holy Spirit. That's modelism, and it was dismissed as heresy. Um, for, for years. And so it keeps us from slipping into um, these isms, if you will, of wrong um, understanding of who God is. It also, to me, it protects us. Um, you're considered money and how uh, bankers, you know, they, 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 they kind of spot counterfeit money. It's because they deal with the real things so much. 
they're handling it, they're holding it, they're investigating, they're, they're checking it, and they get so used to the real thing that if a fake one is passed, many times they'll feel it and they'll go, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't set right. Something's not right with this, this money. There is a benefit in knowing something so well that you can spot error, and the same thing is true when it comes to the right doctrine. Knowing who he is, when you start, when the Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, and they're good at that, by the way, that's what they're known for, knocking on your door. Someone's knocking at the door. So anyways, when they do that, and they present to you a gospel, and they, and they sound like, hey, man, we're on the same page. You start talking about Jesus, they got a different view of who Jesus is than we do. And if you don't know who Jesus is, who the Godhead of the Trinity is, you, you, you don't know the counterfeit from the real thing, and so you need to know him because it protects us from slipping into error. Um, or in Mormonism, it helps us to just know. Um, just Not to pick, but um, just to give you an idea, Mormons um, believe that Jesus was the firstborn, uh, the first spirit born in heaven, and Satan is his spirit brother. Um, we were all born as spirit children uh, to both of them, and they said Jesus was married and had children. I'm like, man, that's just not the same Jesus that we, we hear about in the Bible. And so how do you, when you hear that, do you know the true, uh, the true triunity uh, doctrine of God where you spot it and go, hey, wait a minute, that, that's not, that doesn't sound right, that doesn't feel right. I'm also God the Father is a man with a physical body that achieved God's status through good works. What? No, no, no. My God is perfect, holy, through and through. Amen? Jehovah's Witness believed that Jesus is not God. He was Michael the archangel while on earth. He was a man that lived a perfect life. He didn't physically raise from the dead. If that's true, we're in big trouble because it is the resurrection from the dead that secured our freedom from sin, death, hell, and the grave. Amen? So just to, just to name a couple, not to pick, but just say, how do we know when we're faced with different things that are thrown at us. And we live in a culture where everybody's got a plan, everybody's got a, an idea or a belief system. How do we weed through that? How do we know? We get to know the one true God. And you consider God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, omnipotent, all three omnipotent. All three omniscient. All three omnipresent. And Jesus, when he was on the earth, limited himself to time and space. But don't you know, when they were thinking it, he was saying, here's what you were saying. Here's what you were thinking in your heart. Jesus is omniscient. And so all three persons of the Godhead, of the Trinity, um, encompass all of these attributes that we attribute to God. So one God, three persons, blessed Trinity. Make sense? <laughs> Do you feel like you understand a little bit better? Hopefully so. If you're confused, um, come see me after the church, and I'll, I'll might try to explain something. Maybe I didn't get something right, but, uh, or I didn't communicate it right, uh, but... Uh, and I love that. It's a great question, and I think it's really important for us to know that um, in, our, in our faith, to get to know him better and to be able to, to protect ourselves from error. So um, with that, I'll close in prayer. And let me just say this as I close. Do you know the true God? Are you in relationship? Because you, you can't be in relationship with a God you don't know. Are you in a right relationship with him? Do you recognize God's love for all of humankind that he would send his son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Have you believed in the gospel? Have you believed in what Jesus did for you? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Because that's the essence of the gospel. Are you in Christ? Have you placed your faith in him? Most important decision you'll ever make in your life is what do you do with Jesus? If you are here today and you're not taking that step of faith, as we close and dismiss, if you'd like to come forward, I'd love to pray with you if you have questions. I'd love to be able to just kind of speak with you. Um, but that being said, would you, would you bow your heads and let's, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. 
for your love letter to us, um, revealing yourself to us throughout the entirety of Scripture. I'm thankful that we don't have just the Old Testament because we wouldn't see the beauty of the Trinity um, if we didn't see the, the incarnation of your Son, Jesus, and the giving of your Spirit that indwells us today. Um, Lord, just to see those things um, just blows me away that you love us that much, that you'd, you'd, you'd go way out of the way to just make yourself known to us. So I pray, uh, Lord, that if, if there's any confusion with this doctrine for us, that maybe somehow this kind of cleared things up a little bit for us. And Lord, just to go back to the original question, are you the same? Lord, we just affirm that there are three of you, three persons in the Godhead, and, and we worship one God, and so they reconcile one with the other. And I pray that we would just... Um, Know that in our hearts and uh, allow it to change who we are and to get to know you on a deeper, more intimate level. And Father, if there be anyone here today that's not in a right relationship with you, God, I pray that they don't leave this place, that they don't tarry another day before they put themselves, that they trust in you for the gospel, where they put themselves in that, that position where they acknowledge their need for you, repent of their sins, and turn to you for salvation. God, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, for the rest of us, continue to grow us in our faith. Help us to not be idle. Help us to not be content with just where we're at, but to pursue you and to want to know you more. Um, Lord, and and I love the fact that you said, uh, come near to me and I'll come near to you. Lord, that you just uh, welcome that, uh, that fellowship and that relationship. So God, would you please just encourage us today and build our faith and we ask it humbly in Jesus' name, amen.